KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives weeknights at 6. I'm Laura Jones, and tonight on the show, I got a panel of artists from the Out Loud program at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. Out Loud is a program for young LGBTQ plus voices in Utah, and their last 12 weeks of work is now on display in something called Kaleidoscopic, Life Through a Multicolored Lens. And we're going to pass the mic to them and have them share some of their story with us later in the hour. also have an artist on deck, Peach. Born and raised in Utah, moved to LA, got a record deal during COVID, a couple of songs to share with you tonight, and you can see him on Saturday, Alleyways Amplified over on Edison Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Stick around for his story. But first, we're going to pass the microphone to Nicholas Rupp of the Salt Lake County Health Department. How you doing, Nick? I'm well, thank you. It's good to see you in person. You too. But you came in masked, which reminds me, as does the, the news from recent days, that we're experiencing a surge of COVID across the country. And here in Utah, the numbers have been going up. So what is going on? The numbers have been going up. And in Salt Lake County in particular, we've seen increases in all of the indicators for the last few weeks. This week, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some of our indicators have slowed, and so the increase um, is, is less than it was previously. Other indicators continue to show increases in cases. So you say indicators. We're talking about what? We're talking about wastewater surveillance. We're talking about hospitalization and um, emergency department visits for COVID-like symptoms, um, syndromic surveillance, so COVID-like illness being reported to physicians and urgent care clinics, a variety of metrics that's kind of replaced the individual case counting that we're, we're not really doing anymore because so many people are either not being tested or using at-home tests that aren't being reported. In fact, folks, I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can get another eight tests sent to you via the United States Postal Service. That's right, covidtest.gov. Covidtest.gov. You just put in your name, your address, they send them out to you, which can give some folks peace of mind. What is giving you peace of mind or keeping you up at night, Nick? So I have peace of mind because if you are up to date on your vaccine, if you have been boosted, if you're eligible, if you've had your second booster, if you're eligible, whatever up to date means for you, depending on your personal health circumstances or age, if you're up to date, you're pretty safe from COVID. You may catch COVID, but you're likely to have very mild illness, a head cold, not hospitalization, not severe illness. If you are not up to date or you're not vaccinated, that's when we get a little bit concerned. But we are seeing people ending up in the hospital who have been vaccinated and boosted. So folks, uh, you need to do what you got to do. And again, social distancing back in play. You know, social distancing is important depending on your circumstances and where you are. Um, I continue to mask in public because I have a family member, my, my daughter, who is too young to be vaccinated. So I choose to mask to help protect her. If um, I didn't have that person in my life, that high-risk individual who's too young to be vaccinated, I probably wouldn't be masking while we're still in low transmission here in Salt Lake County. But I will note that Summit County increased to medium transmission uh, this week, and Salt Lake County is usually a week or two behind Summit in this pandemic, so we'll see where Salt Lake County goes next week. Well, you and I go way back, actually, in the the communication business and worked on many things together in our our careers. And I'm just kind of curious, as you talk to other folks in the role that you have in Summit County or any of the other 28 counties in Utah, what are you hearing about folks' willingness to take simple measures in the prevention of COVID? We're seeing a lot of resistance to people getting their second booster or their first booster. And then in the original population that didn't want to get vaccinated, people who are vaccine hesitant, that hasn't changed. Nothing has changed their mind. For the most part, people who are doing what they should be doing are still doing that. And the people who are not following recommendations are not. Well, as we've been talking about here on KRCL for at least a week, festival season has started. Living Traditions is this weekend. You've got Pride coming up June 4th through 5th. You've got the Arts Festival, the Park City Latino Arts Festival in late June, along with the Utah Arts Festival, uh, Busker Fest. So lots of uh, 
events for folks to gather at. What's your advice for folks? So these are all outdoor events, and outdoor events are generally extremely safe. Uh, we know the virus doesn't transmit well outdoors in good weather. Uh, it's when you're in a closed, confined space with a number of people, particularly people who are unvaccinated, um, maybe symptomatic, uh, or may have the virus and not know it because they're asymptomatic. So mm -hmm. it's the indoor spaces we're worried about. These festivals and things outdoors, this is your time to enjoy our good weather, not worry so much about COVID when you're outdoors, but still be mindful of it when you're going to gather indoors. What's your boss, Angela Dunn, say, Dr. Dunn? You know, Dr. Dunn, um, she has said recently that her bout with COVID was quite mild because she was vaccinated and boosted. Um, she had COVID a few weeks ago, um, even though she was fully protected. But again, she had very minor symptoms. In fact, wasn't even certain she had COVID until the test mm -hmm. came back. You know, you just said fully protected, still got COVID. And I think that's part of what um, the average person is struggling with, Nick. Fully protected, still got COVID. And we say fully protected because you're fully protected from hospitalization and death is what was what you're considered to be. Is a, There's a very slim chance you'll still get hospitalized if you're up to date on your vaccine. That's generally someone who has an underlying health condition mm -hmm. or who is um, over 80, most likely. Yeah. Um, vaccinations, particularly for respiratory illnesses, are unlikely to completely prevent you from getting the infection. The same thing with the flu vaccine, with the, yeah. the flu shot. Um, it's going to keep you from serious illness, keep you from death. Mm -hmm. It's not going to keep you from getting the illness at all. We're talking with Nick Rupp from the Salt Lake County Health Department, given the recent uptick in COVID cases in Utah, but across the country as well. We're headed into festival season, folks getting together. Um, warmer weather means picnics and parties and tubing and such. So just a reminder here to take the precautions that you need to to protect you and your loved ones and the folks you pass by in your in your daily life. But what if I do need more than a home test or I can't get my hands on a home test and I want to understand what's going on, what should I do? So if your home test hasn't arrived from the government, you haven't ordered them yet, whatever it might be, there are still uh, seven test sites in Salt Lake County free of charge, three operated by Salt Lake County Health Department, four operated by contractors of the Utah Department of Health. And you can go to coronavirus.utah.gov and find those free government-run test sites and get a test at no charge, no questions asked. Now, if I have the home test and it says, yes, then what should I do? Then you need to stay home. In fact, even if you don't have the home test, but you have symptoms of any respiratory illness, do everyone in your life a favor and stay away from them. Allergy season. Everybody sniffles, coughs, or itches around you. You're like, what is it? And everyone feels they need to disclaim. So um, how do you tell the difference between allergies? The first thing to remember is that allergies are unlikely to give you a fever. So if you have any fever at all, that's your big warning sign that it's more than allergies. Um, an antihistamine or other allergy medication will likely alleviate a lot of your allergy symptoms, not going to do anything if you have COVID or another viral respiratory illness. So those are a couple things you can check on. But given how available testing is, uh, as well as the free at-home tests, if you have any questions, if you're sniffling, you're coughing, you're sneezing, you're wondering if it's allergies, just take a test and see. Just take a test and see. And they send them out in batches of two. So if you do test positive at home, they first stay home and then test again in 36 hours, I think is what my box said last I checked. That's correct. Okay. And uh, you will likely test positive for a while, even after you're out of isolation. There are some individuals who are gonna test positive for up to 90 days. Really? So you are allowed to leave isolation as soon as 10 days have passed from your initial positive test or beginning of symptoms if your fever has broken at least 24 hours prior. It's a little complicated. 10 days? I thought it was five, so we're back to 10 days? The CDC says five and then five masking. I'm still telling people 10 because you are still yeah. able to infect people for those other five Shedding days, this virus. particularly if you're not masking really well. Okay. And supplies of good masks, the N95s, readily yep. available? They are readily available. They're uh, available for pickup at county libraries still, many senior centers. We have a very large supply that we were handing out. Uh, the demand has really decreased greatly. We, we don't give out a lot of them, but we still do have a supply for those who need them. Okay. And can I still get that booster if I qualify? Oh, 100%. In fact... Um, you may, if you just got your initial series in the last few months, you're not going to qualify for your booster until five months have passed. So 
you can get that booster anytime you qualify after that initial series. And depending on your health circumstances, if you're immunocompromised or over 50, you can get a second booster four months after that first booster. Four months after that. So a lot of math. But you can find all the info and figure it out with the Salt Lake County Health Department. What's that website, Nick? That's saltlakehealth.org. And you can also call and any of our immunization nurses would be happy to discuss your specific situation and timing with you for when you need to do these things. So call. You got that number at your fingertips? 385-468-4100. Thanks for coming in, Nick. I appreciate it. I called you up this afternoon and said, hey, can you swing by in a couple of hours? And you said, absolutely. I really appreciate that. And so do our listeners. Always happy to do it. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the Salt Lake County Health Department and the phone number that Nick gave as well, folks. All right, stick around. We've got Peach in the house. He's playing Alleyways Amplified on Saturday. Here's his song, Oh, 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 on KRCL 90.9. KRCL 90.9. Just some what you're in store. What's in store for you? Saturday at Alleyways Amplified, a new concert series on the street in Salt Lake City. Hey, Peach, how you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good Absolutely. To be here. We had uh, Gavani, who's also on the bill. He came down a week or so ago. So uh, when Vishwa called up and said, hey, can we, can we come in one more time? I'm like, yeah, who are you sending? Peach. Born and raised in Utah, yes, ma'am. but you recently moved to L.A. You signed with a label right as COVID started, it sounds like. Right in the peak. So <laughs> tell us how that came about, first of all. Yeah, well, I, so I graduated high school up in Park City about two years ago, 2020, and decided to take summer to really try to push my music somewhere big and take it to the next level. So I had, you know, reached out everywhere I could, sent my music out to you know, important people to hear it. And I sent it to the uh, Lights Global. They're the label I'm with right now. And they took a liking to it and wanted to work more with me. And then from there, I did a develop a developmental boot camp with them. Boot camp? Yes, for like t- for two weeks. And then after that, they were like, you know what? We really like what you got going on. We like your music. And mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. We want to sign you. And, and that happened. And it was towards the end of summer of 2020. So... It's kind of in that rise and fall of COVID and then COVID comes back up again, you know, but it was cool. It was really good. It was really awesome, actually. (laughs) So we got these festivals coming back around and you booked to come back here for this. What does it mean to play on the streets of Salt Lake City for you? It's it's awesome. I've been I've been doing shows down here for the past couple of years, but this one I think is going to be great. It's going to be really fun. And it's, uh, you know, it's good for Vishwa putting on for the city and the local artists. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. All right, so we were talking before the show about what genre you think you fall in. And, you know, I listen and I go, well, yeah. it's kind of hip-hop. It's kind of some other things. You said it's melodic. What, yeah. do you, what do you mean by that? You feel like there's more singing going on? Yeah, more. well, it's more melody-based, I'd yeah. say, for sure. Um, so who are your influences? Well, I have, I have very many. Um, but <laughs> early on, uh, Mac Miller's a big uh, big influence for me. Um, he's, he's a hip-hop artist, but he, you know, kind of transcended into you know, a higher realm of music in, in, in itself. But Mac Miller, I love Kid Cudi. 
um, Red Hot Chili Peppers I love. Like, I'm all over the board, so maybe that's why I do a lot of different stuff as well. And then there's, like, 50 Cent, who's a big, heavy hip-hop artist as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, all over the board, bands, rappers, singers, everything. So what do you got planned for Saturday for Alleyways Amplified? Oh, we got, we got a big set. It's one hour long, 9 to 10 p.m. Um, I'm bringing out a couple special guests, um, a couple friends, local artists here, and also my friend Zips, who's from Miami, Florida. It's going to be a good time. I'm doing about 14 songs myself and then having them do a couple of songs. Well, we have another one here, and you said this is the best one. It's a little Bombay. This one's my favorite. What's this about? It is It's a summer song, just living free. It's on my album that just came out about a month ago. What's that called? These Times Don't Feel Right. Up all night down the wrong way. Can't tell, but I'll make it real someday. I've been filling up cups on Sunday. I've been on jets taking off that runway. Well, I'll be taking flies while you back home. No, you miss me these days. I'll be back soon. Now you gotta ask why you can't go. These days I'm a party to the last song. Keep it on go, zombie. Filling our cups with some bumbe. I just wanna live free, feeling everything. Yeah, 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 we're all the same. Keep it on go, zombie. Filling our cups with some bumbe. I just wanna live free, feeling everything. Yeah, 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 we're all the same. I got it, baby, what you want from me? Don't care, once I get it, you'll be done with me. I'm on it. I be flying overseas, yeah. Well, I be taking flights while you back home. No, you miss me these days. I'll be back soon. No, you gotta ask why you can't go. These days, I'm a party to the last song. Keep it on go, zombie. I'ma party till I see that sun And I'll be at it till the very next day Can't stop it while the weekend's young And I don't wanna go to sleep I'ma party till I see that sun And I'll be at it till the very next day Can't stop it while the weekend's young Keep it on go, zombie Filling our cups with some Bombay I just wanna... It's a little Bombay from Peach And he's in the studio with us We'll be playing at Alleyways Amplified on Saturday. Tickets still available, I take it? Yes, ma'am. You can get tickets on 24ticks.com for $10 right now. The day of the show, they will rise to 15 You can get them at the door, but they will be 15 yeah. uh, And the door is like the sidewalk, so it's yeah, on Edison it's Street between 2nd and 3rd yeah. South. So best of luck with the gig, and I Thank really you. like that, too. I'm going to make sure we pass it around the station, okay? Thank you very much for having me again. All right, folks, stick around. We got uh, artists in the house here on KRCL 90.9 Radioactive coming up next. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Rock Camp SLC needs musicians, teachers, social workers, activists, and community builders for its summer camp sessions in June and July. Help girls, non-binary, and transgender youth learn an instrument and write a song with their bands. Volunteer details at rockcampslc.org. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. KRCL 90.9, little green tea ice cream in the background as we start our radioactive panel with the folks from UMOCA, Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. Joining us in studio, we have Golda Ovayas. Hi, Golda, how are you? I'm uh, you know, I need to push a mic over your way. So we're going <laughs> to give this one to you. We're going to swing this one run around to Oak. And Nix and Sophie are going to share. So, whew, Golda. Tell me about Out Loud at UMOCA. You've been on before talking about this, and you have a new position at UMOCA since then. I do. I have the best job in the world. I'm the K-12 through educator, but this was the first year that I led this program. We took a little hiatus during the pandemic, so we were thrilled to restart this spring in 2022. And Out Loud began in 2015 by one of our incredible previous staff members, L.E., and we brought them back to help mentor the program, and they just started it to support our amazing queer youth. So it's specifically for queer youth, helping them find their voice in the arts. And there's an exhibit going on right now. Tell us about that, and we'll come back and wrap with those details too, folks. So 
stick around. You're going to hear from the artist. You're going to find out how you can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. So the exhibition Kaleidoscopic was a culmination of the 14 teens out loud experience. So they came to the museum every week for three hours and had a workshop with a local professional queer artist. And then their piece kind of represents their own identity and their experience finding acceptance at the museum and with their friends. Excellent. Well, we're going to pass the microphone now and ask the artists who are here from the Out Loud program to introduce themselves as they see fit and tell us a little bit about themselves, kind of their origin story. Oak, you want to sidle right up to that microphone and introduce yourself to folks. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Oak. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, and obviously I participated in this wonderful program. Um, I guess, like... How do you want me to describe myself? Well, before this, uh, did you do art? Oh, hardly at all. I mean, elementary art classes, gluing macaroni noodles down on craft paper. My speed two oaks. (laughs) So what made you decide to do it? Um, Well, I heard about it from Nick's, uh, who I go to school with. Okay, where do you guys go to school? uh, Cottonwood High School. Cottonwood High School. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I think you posted about it on your Instagram story. I did. <laughs> Nix, pull that microphone right up towards you cool. and tell us about you. Nix, N-Y-X, how you doing? I'm pretty good. So my name is Nix, as she just said. Um, my pronouns are they, Z. Um, I'm 15. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Cottonwood High School? Yes, Cottonwood High School, sophomore. Woo! How would you describe your <laughs> art before this, and then we'll get into it? Honestly... After. <laughs> I never really like did art until like probably like a good like maybe like 10 11 months ago and I still haven't developed that style yet that I am like happy with but yeah at this current point in time I'd say my art is really like abstract and almost basic in a way but I think that's like the appeal of it that it's like basic mm-hmm. very Bauhaus very Bauhaus oh <laughs> yes. I like that reference all right Sophie grab that microphone swing it on over and to tell us about yourself. Okay, so my name's Sophie Stevens. I'm 17 and I go to Wasatch, so I live up in Heber. Very cool. Do you do art before the Out Loud program? Um, I always did art ever since I was a kid, but I never really like called myself an artist. I took one art class in high school, but I wasn't in any like advanced art or painting classes. So what interested you in joining this Out Loud program? I heard about it on Instagram through InCircle, and I just thought it was, like, really cool opportunity, and I wanted to get back into art more, and I would have never, like, imagined, um, like, a few months ago when I heard about it that I would have my art now in the museum. Yeah. So what did you try in the Out Loud program? It was like 12, week, 12 weeks long, I understand. Yeah, so we did a lot of stuff. Um, we did we tried felting. We did a lot of this thing where we took printers and were blowing up different materials, kind of more digital, even though it was still like on paper. Um, what else did we do? Grab the microphone, Nix. Um, we also did, well, needle felting. Um I like that. I like the notion of stabbing things. It's it was very really <laughs> fun. I did stab myself like four times, which was not the funnest, but <laughs> I guess I learned. Like um, your blood into your craft. Yeah, I, I am the medium. <laughs> Go ahead, Sophie. We took apart pieces of a chair, and then we all decorated like the different pieces of the chair, and then we kind of reassembled it, and that was really cool. We had a ton of like really cool guest artists. Shayla mm-hmm. Pepe came in, and Shayla Pepe has like their exhibit, had their exhibit up too. Yeah. Yeah. So next, when you started uh, getting into the Out Loud program, was it um, permission? Was it uh, access to materials that you felt you could kind of run with it? What do you mean? Just, you know, when we go into this program, if you've not explored art and different mediums and suddenly you have access to Yumoka and all the things that they bring to the table, what, how did that feel? Classic reporter question. It definitely was super fun being able to, like, mess with so many different mediums and, like, learn new processes and, like, fun art things and, like, learn new, like, ways to, like, work with the things that I already have at home or at school or, like... You know, it's just, it's super fun, and I love being able to, like, meet a bunch of different people who, we were all just like each other. We Mm -hmm. 
are all just like one big community. And I think it's really fun. We've all made really good friends. Yeah. So Oak, let's ask you about that too. Okay, you said macaroni art before. And so what was your, your favorite to explore? Um, I mean, I loved all of them. We did, we actually never like got our hands on it ourselves, but uh, this drag king, Madison Can Can. Um, Love Madison. Yeah. They came in and we watched them do like their own drag makeup. And that was super interesting because that's tying like back in the queerness aspect of it mm-hmm. into the art itself. And it's like, obviously, makeup art is a form of art, but I guess it just never really clicked that way to me. It's just yeah. like something you do. It's like you never thought of makeup as like a form of art, but you just. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this is something that you do. But yeah, I just watched a, a mini doc on CNN.com about nail art and how intense it can get. So um, something that folks may not, who aren't into nail culture, may not think of as anything more than, you know, manicure, mani-pedi. And the the beauty and the elaborateness was just blowing me away. Did you find some freedom, Oak, to just kind of explore? Like, you know, when I was a kid, I remember finger painting and feeling, and that was so cool, that felt yeah. good. And then um, to be able to have access to so many materials in the space that Umoka offers, Oak. Yeah, I think like even excluding the workshops we did with the artists who came in, um, just in my final piece, I probably worked with four or five mediums before I finally settled on something that I felt represented what I wanted to convey in my piece because I just had so much access to all of the wonderful supplies that Yumoka has. And it was really like, there was no limit to my scope. I could go as big or as small as I wanted to. We're talking with the artists of the Out Loud program at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. And on display at the museum, which is in downtown Salt Lake City, is Kaleidoscopic, Life Through a Multicolored Lens. It's the culmination of the program's work, and it's on display, I think, until June 8th, I believe, Golda. Is that right? Yes, correct. So um, where is it in the museum? So folks, when they come down there, can check it out. So it's on the main level, just outside the street gallery. So as soon as you walk in, just keep going through the lobby, and it will be on your left, surrounded by the windows that you can overlook the main gallery. All right. So now I want to hear about your your pieces. Um, and this is radio, so you got to be descriptive. Describe the uh, the medium, the size, the colors, the vibrancy, the the theme. Oak, tell me about yours. You're just talking about finding the right the right um, medium to explore your theme. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a I guess background in public speaking with debate. Unfortunately, I'm not the most descriptive speaker, but I'll try my best here. Um, Stretch. You got it. Yeah. I guess I'd describe it as contemporary sculpture. It's modeled after a baby mobile with one string coming down from the ceiling, hanging up a ring of rusted metal with several objects hanging from it, a burnt piece of money, a... Um, pink bow, a 3D printed uh, Buddha statue, and just a bunch of different items that I felt in some way or another composed an aspect of my personality and my core values. And sitting under that is a shadow box, just like a wooden box with a glass covering filled with moss and different pieces of memorabilia, a Polaroid photo of my dog and my mom's old house. Um another piece of money with ink on it. And then to the side of that shadow box is a glass jar with many nails, bobby pins, bunch of metal stuff. Um, and the water's turned rusty. And this is, this is an art piece that's changed over time because I first put it all together. The water was still all clear. There was no rust in it. The moss in the box was like still all healthy. And now you go look at it and it's like deteriorated. And so this is not only a piece that is representative of me as I am now, it's also a piece that changes as time goes on, left unattended to. It sounds like it parallels the condition of Earth. 
Yeah, I'd say absolutely. And, and every single time I talk to someone about my piece, they point out like, oh, is this supposed to represent that? And I'm like, that is not what I had in mind at all. But you people are all so smart that, yeah, <laughs> you like, go with that it. is totally something that is important to me yeah. and can totally fit in the message of the piece. So you create this from your experience. Yes. And then you birth it into the world and people then encounter it and act and interact with it. And there's a conversation that can happen. Absolutely. It's, it's my weird little contemporary art homunculus baby. It's, I want that on a t-shirt. That's awesome. Contemporary art homunculus baby. Baby. Yeah. That's like, that's like my friend has a t-shirt store and one of the t-shirts just says like spice master general and all sorts of weird stuff. Well, so um, there was already uh, an opening, right, Golda? Yes. So what what was that experience like for you, Oak? Um, I have a fun little story to share with that. All right, just no swearing. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I will say at the time I was v- sailor mouth, absolutely. Uh-huh. I had done some like blue sparkly eyeshadow because, uh-huh. you know, I wanted to go out. I wanted to look nice, uh-huh. do a little bit of makeup. I try. I didn't get it right the first time, and so I took off the makeup with the nearest like lotion I could find. Uh-huh. Didn't read the label. It was SPF like sunscreen lotion. <laughs> I got it directly in my eye, and the entire night I was walking around like eyes like they felt like they were popping out of my skull. Yeah. Like I had taken off my helmet in space, and it uh-huh. was. I mean, but other than the part where I was in horrifying pain the whole uh, night, yeah? it was a very fun night. Uh-huh. I mean, it was like the the last big hurrah. Yeah. Of the whole group. We're doing the uh, Q&A still at Umoka. I believe it's the 26th. Yes. Next Thursday. Yep, next Thursday. Q&A, awesome. So go ahead. Come on down. It'll be... This is a little warm-up for that. Yeah, it's a bit, mm-hmm. a bit of a warm-up. But you talk to people as they viewed your piece? And Absolutely. And it was like... It was surreal to see like all of the... Yeah. There are people taking photos on my piece. Uh-huh. That was so weird. Like, I wouldn't say I have horrible self-image, but I'm definitely not like... <clears throat> It was surprising that people cared that much to like take pictures of my piece. Yeah, and they still looked fabulous. And I still looked fabulous. Uh, it mo- was a look. Most of the, the makeup had great. washed off. See, just talking about See, it, my it was eyes performance are itchy. art. You were, it was you, were, perfor- you were layering the performance. I did a good bit of performance art. During the, I, I drank paint at one point during the program. Oh so. my lord, Oak. <laughs> I, I, I got to see this. I'm going to have to come check it out. We're talking with artists uh, from Yumoka's Out Loud program and the exhibit Kaleidoscopic Life Through a Multicolored Lens. It's the result of 12 weeks of work by young LGBTQ plus voices here in Utah. And we have three of them in the studio with us tonight. You just heard from Oak. All right, Nix, you just you just uh, heard what we talked about with Oak. So we want to have you describe your piece and how you came to it. Pull that microphone a little bit closer, folks. Okay. There you go. So my piece is called Impurity Over Purity, but the over is like a little slash. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really quirky. The slash made it so much better, to be honest. <laughs> and I kind of, to describe it, it was just like, image think of this like big eight foot tall piece of wood and it's just painted black and it's just laid on the wall just like i don't know like you just lean like a frame on the wall or something and i had my piece which is right center in the middle of that board with oh god i don't remember um there is another piece on top and either two at the bottom but i don't know which ones were which but my piece only consisted of really basic colors, like the primary colors, red, yellow, and blue, and like white, black, mm-hmm. and gray. And it was like, um, it's very similar to an artist that I have had really high respect for for a really long time, Piet Mondrian. He um, was a modern artist back in the 19-something-something, I don't remember. But, <laughs> but he saw his, he saw art as like, it should be only be appreciated in its pure form, which was line and color and like shape. And I don't know what it is about the way that he described that, but it was just like, it hits different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, just bringing like, up some images, trying to call to mind yeah, yeah. some Andrean's work. And like you said, those yeah. primary colors. Yeah, and I feel like if you look at my piece, it's very, it honestly could look just like his, but I adopted it into my own kind of like, terms and it was just like mm-hmm. why you you and your artist statement say you experience synesthesia synesthesia yes which is synesthesia is a disorder according to the dsm-5 but i don't think it's a disorder yeah i think it's yeah. pretty fun but synesthesia is where 
your sensory receptors are kind of like a little messed up and it's kind of like let's say like you see something or like think of a person and you kind of like associate that with a certain feeling or a certain color and that's what I experience but experience but there's definitely really different really different <clears throat> um, forms of synesthesia such as like tasting things when you listen to music or whatever but um, how I experience it is um, I think of people or like certain people and they have like almost like an aura to them and it's like yeah. I just think of it in my mind it's like oh this person is like this certain shade of green it's like a pistachio like really like it's a really pretty green, like a sage green mm-hmm. or something like that. But with my piece, I adopted that and associated it with different like feelings. So like I looked at red, yellow, and blue. It's like, what do I associate red, yellow, and blue with? And like what shape and like what like feeling I would like associate with it. Mm-hmm. And with the red one, of course, I feel like this is also just like a common like association, but I associate it with like anger and stress and just sharp pointy like um shapes and objects and there's a print that i cut up and is on the big blackboard that i mentioned because it's like eight feet tall right yeah eight feet tall and the wall and this hallway that it's in it's like nine and a half feet tall so it takes up pretty much the whole like (laughs) height you went big yeah originally i was going to hang it up on the wall but then the type of wood i use was not like sturdy enough to like hang it up on the wall or something like that and it was also really really heavy um, you should have seen me trying to um, bring that into the museum. It was <laughs> a huge moment. <laughs> well, you know, you're bringing this piece in, and I'm, yeah. you know, it's, you've been working on it almost, I don't want to say in secrecy, but outside of the view of then the people who come to the opening, who come to the, the gallery and, and view it. What was that experience like to have people see it, and you're there seeing them react to it? Honestly, it was super interesting. I kind of really... So my work was at the very end of the hall, and I was just kind of, like, in the front, just, like, pretending, like, I wasn't there. It wasn't mine, because, <laughs> honestly, I kind of... Eavesdropping lo- on people as they yeah. go by it? You know, I actually have a really fun story about that. So last August, I entered the State Fair Art Show, and it was this piece... To describe it, it's, like... I'm going to be honest, it looks really, really vile. Like, it's just brown and red and just gross and mm-hmm. there's like rocks and sawdust on top of it and mixed into the paint so it just looks really gross mm-hmm. and it's about a certain person and how I feel towards this certain person and the things they've done to me and mm-hmm. it was just the release of all those feelings and actually I did this piece at Encircle um, which is what Sophie had heard yeah. um, about this program from mm-hmm. um, it, this was also back in August it was a workshop with an artist. Her name was Samantha De Silva, and her work is very, really, really interesting. Um, it was a really fun workshop. It was really messy, but that's, I guess that's the process. It was really fun, and yeah. <laughs> putting it up in the show was super fun, and I was, like, kind of, like, just, like, standing there, just, like, pretending to look around, even though it was, like, my own piece, and then people were, like, what in the world is that? <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, and I don't know. I just thought... I think that's the reaction that I want is like it was so you want to provoke a reaction I wanted to pro- I wanted to like to provoke people with like mm. it was so like polarly different from what other people saw for like from like what other people made yeah. because they're like portraits or little like landscape paintings and mine was just this weird like thing of thing thing of paint of like thing with paint and like rock and sawdust and it was just like what in the world is that on the wall you know obviously in <laughs> experiencing some pain in relation to this person yes and i'm kind of curious about that we do want to get everybody in on this conversation as queer youth having a place to put your feelings is what i feel this program has has helped you do would you agree Nix? yeah totally um for a lot of people art is like a way to cope or a way to express themselves or how they feel and everyone it's for everyone it's really hard to already like like talk about how they feel or like anything like that and especially queer youth because queer youth have a higher rate of suicidality and like mental health um and I think this program has really helped me express and address that to myself and like realize that I was feeling things that I didn't know I was going through and I was like this is a problem (laughs) well and with your synesthesia where your different senses come into play and you can then process that into your art piece I think that is an interesting release that only you could have given your unique 100% you 
So this eight and a half, eight foot piece is down at Umoka, folks. You can go check it out. Sophie, we're going to ask you about your piece now. Um, tell us about the the medium that you chose and describe it for us. Okay, so my piece is called Enough Angels. Um, I think it's pretty literal. I'm not sure what medium I would call it. It's on a pretty big canvas, like probably five foot by three feet. And on the canvas, I have like a mixture of acrylic paints and watercolor paints. And I painted a dying body kind of being carried up by other little bodies. And I got the kind of idea for that part. I actually sketched it like this one day. I was having a really bad day. I was in math class. And this was like way back in early January. And I was kind of just sketching sketching basically what is the part of my painting that is in paint just instead of paying attention to my math class so <laughs> but um and then like as that week went on it kind of I was just having a really rough week and I remembered that I had this huge canvas in my basement that I got freshman year and I hadn't done anything with it because I had been too scared and I was just like you know what whatever I need to paint it and so I painted that sketch onto the canvas and it started off like pretty traditional it was just canvas like acrylic on canvas um and then I started to cut the back the cut the canvas with a razor and then I kind of just started adding things from there I put a board behind it with a lot of random things like notes that I've gotten like birthday cards pictures of me and my friends like pictures of cats like random magazine cutouts and just a, stu- a lot of stuff that's from the material world because you're collaging that thing yes out. and as I was doing this I was going through like a time of when I first did this it was just like a, a sketch just completely of like how I was feeling and then it started as me kind of reflecting back and the whole point of it. um, So it's called Enough Angels and it's kind of supposed to reflect like queer youth and suicidality and queer youth and about how like, oh, we have enough angels, like we don't need any more. And so I actually, it's funny because I, I tried to start and make it pretty like metaphorical with the body. I started cutting up the body I started putting stuff behind it and then eventually I just wrote the title I wrote we have enough angels on the Mm. wood behind the canvas that poke through and so it's pretty literal but I think that that kind of goes more with my feeling of like at this point like it has to be literal because just the I don't know just Mm. all the loss it it doesn't do it's still like there's still too much loss and well and I wanted uh, to ask all of you about that so this is this is good that we have your piece last here to talk about because um, given the debate in our own community let alone across the country about trans youth in particular but we all know what that's about it's about the entire LGBTQ plus community seeing them accepting them and um, validating them or invalidating them as the bills are doing. And I'm just kind of curious from you sitting here in the studio with me right now, LGBTQ youth, you know, what is going on among your peers and and your thoughts about existing and fighting to exist in some cases, Sophie? Um, It's honestly like really discouraging, but I feel like I mean, that's a lot of what my piece is about, like the darkness and how discouraging it is. Like we as children should not have to be activists, but we've kind of been put in a spot where we have to. And it's like even with art, like our art has to kind of say something because like there's no other option at this point. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, it's, it's discouraging, but it's also good to be like in a community like where we have been able to be together and kind of that even though like there is a deep darkness that right now kind of I think not more than ever because it's always been there but 
it's kind of being pushed more to the forefront. There's also like we have, I think, like a unique capacity for like queer joy is something that I really like that phrase queer joy. That's one of my favorite artists. Julian Baker sells these like um, like flags to put up on your wall that just say queer joy. And it's so funny because her music is the most like heart wrenching music ever in the world. And you would not think that she would sell these things that say queer joy. But I think like right now that kind of reflects the climate of like, it's, it's really just discouraging and terrible, but you know, we're still kids and yeah. Nix, how about you? Pass that mic over to you. Do you want to repeat the prompt again? I kind of forgot it. Just, that's okay. <laughs> just, I'm just kind of curious since I have three youth sitting in front of me and you're, you're putting your, so much of yourself into these pieces that are on display over <clears> the U, at Umoka. I'm just curious about what's going on with you and among your peers, the conversation about being a member of the LGBTQ plus community. We just had the Live Loud, Love Loud Festival. <laughs> I think you got to live and love loud. Um, and that's a lot of positivity, but that's not every day. And you're in Utah, a very conservative community, and we know what the news is full of. Mm -hmm. So, Nix, what is life like for you and your peers? So, life is honestly just, like, life, I guess, because I don't really have, like, a comparable, like, equivalent. But most of my friends are also queer, and we all go through our own struggles. And one thing that I've talked about with my friends recently is how normalized it is to have a family that isn't accepting of you. And I recently started talking to a, someone at Encircle. Actually, I met them there. and Encircle, a nonprofit in our community. Yes. That is a welcoming space. Yes, amazing place. Um, <laughs> and um, they were talking about their family. It was like, yeah, my family's super accepted. And I don't know why, but like, I was just so like, surprised to hear that yeah. his family was so supportive because it was just like, I... I come from an immigrant background. I am Asian, and most my parents are immigrants, and so is most of my extended family. So there's a really high standard put onto me, where it's like, oh, I have to like do this, do that to be successful in life. And um, being queer, I kind of just feel like the family disappointment. <laughs> but honestly, at this point, I really don't care that I may be the family disappointed. Like I honestly pretty much am, but that's okay. I, I think I'm doing great to myself. <laughs> all right. Okay, we all just want to kind of group hug you right now, Nick. So. Well, did your family come and check out the, the artwork at the State Fair or down at Umoka? So they haven't yet, uh-huh. but um, none of th- I'm, I'm only out to my dad and like my like cousins. Yeah. My dad doesn't take it really well. Most of my cousins are accepting. Like I have a cousin who's a lesbian herself. She's an art teacher out in Ogden. Love her. <laughs> um. But my family's just like, oh, art is like nonsense. Like, you don't really need it. Like, yeah. So it's just like, okay, sure. (laughs) It sounds like art has maybe or is possibly becoming a refuge for you. Yeah, it really is. And I actually have a a cousin who is also a graphic designer. And I do want to pursue graphic design as a career someday Mm -hmm. in the future. And it kind of gives me hope because she gets paid really, really, really well. And my my parents are like, oh, you should be like her. You should be a graphic designer like her. I'm just like, okay, I might as well. <laughs> I'm but. still going to make eight feet, eight foot tall things, though, just so you know, right? You yeah, tell them. sure. <laughs> Always. <laughs> That'll be my thing. You, 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 you've shared some really personal things that are, are sad for me to hear. But at the same time, you seem like a pretty joyful person. I don't know if that's something you work at or that's just part of of who you are honestly at this point I just feel like it's become so normalized to me and I feel like that's honestly really sad but like Mm -hmm. it's so normal to have such like to know so many people that aren't accepting and like not speaking up about it well what's what's your you have the mic all three of you what is it you want people to know next this is I'm not asking you to call anybody out or in, but is there anything you want folks to know about what you're going through at this particular phase of your life that people don't get? We are here. Queer people are everywhere. And it's not that we're in hiding. It's just because it's not that we're in hiding. We we're here. We're everywhere. And I just, I guess people just should get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) know. <laughs> you just quoting the ACT UP Bible. I love it. Oh, did I? <laughs> We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. 
Yeah. All right. So, so Oak, we got to come back to you and find out what you think and your peers. But I also want to add to this the name of your piece. Yeah. Because I just noticed it. So grab that microphone. Tell folks what it's called. <clears throat> Ooh, something in my throat. Um, so I've always been like, I'm a huge nerd. I like comic books. I'm relatively nerdy. I've always really, really liked conspiracy theories, which like. Okay, what kind of conspiracy theories? All kinds of conspiracy theories. Like Not, Sasquatch conspiracy mm, theories? All, conspira- all conspiracy theories that aren't inherently anti-Semitic. So like no lizard people, no deep state. Like the cool ones. Like, yeah, like Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Um, but there's this one about a town in Wisconsin that completely disappeared off the map in the early 2000s, late 90s, called Dublin, Wisconsin. So my piece is titled, I've Been to Dublin, Wisconsin. And I think that it's just a super cool concept about like a whole town just disappearing off the face of the earth in one night. And that's like someone's entire innocence can be gone in one night. Someone's entire memory of someone can be gone in one night. It's just like you never know when things are going to change for you for better or for worse completely and permanently. That adds a layer to your mobile of disintegration that you described earlier. As a queer youth, are you also commenting on that as people find out or you come out? I mean, yeah, I definitely think, cause I mean, coming out for a lot of people can be a really like emotional, but very positive experience. Like you're just, you're releasing what you've kept hidden from the people that you love for so long and they can be accepting of it. And that's something that's an incredible feeling. And I've, I've had that happen to me. My, I have two lesbian grandmas that I live with. I mean, like besides my mom and my one aunt, I don't think there's anyone in my mom's side of the family who isn't queer. Um, I can't say the same for my dad's side though, because although he, he does always say that he's accepting of me, it's like he never calls me by my preferred name or pronouns, Mm. which can be really frustrating. And I, I, there's a lot of other people who are out there, like just, there are people who surround themselves with people who they think that they're friends. Those friends can be really hateful. Like there's a gay kid out there in this state who hangs out with just a bunch of homophobic dude bro a-holes and, you know, he's afraid to come out because he doesn't want to lose all of his friends. Mm. And, you know, just to that kid, do what makes you happy. If, mm. if Don't suffer in silence. Sounds like you've always embraced that about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Nick's go to Cottonwood, right? Together? Yes. Okay, so do you find yourself kind of being the the school counselor at all because you have a really big personality and I don't I want to put that on you but I'm kind of curious how that's working at Cotton. I'm remembering my time in high school and I tend to say I don't remember it at all I just blot it out and I'm kind of curious how high school is for you I mean obviously I don't speak for Nick's but as as profound as I sound on public radio <laughs> I am not nearly <laughs> this eloquent. I'm, I'm this eloquent when I'm giving a speech and debate uh-huh. or when I'm talking in some professional setting. You've been around me when I'm not. I yes. curse like a sailor. Yes, so do I. Yeah. We're being quite. Thank you. I tame. appreciate that. Our FCC but, license. I mean, I do. If, if I feel like as, as a human, it's my duty to make sure that others feel I'm, I'm a people pleaser. A hundred percent. I just want people to heal, feel happy and safe and good. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously you should never bottle down your issues and just like be everyone else's therapist. But I feel like if people need a shoulder to cry on, I'm someone who can take a blow. Like I've been through a lot not to compare and say one trauma is more than the other. I've probably been more through more than a lot of other people have. Just like, I feel like, for me at least, you, if someone wants to talk, I'm going to be there to talk to them. You're going to listen. 
Golda, so we've been talking with three of the artists in the Out Loud program. Their work on display at UMOCA, Kaleidoscopic Life Through a Multicolored Lens. Um, this sounds exactly like what you want to have happen in the Out Loud program, is to bring LGBTQ youth together and find community and make art. Mm-hmm. It was. I'm trying not to cry as I listen to them all speak, and I've cried before with the program, cried when I read Sophie's description of her piece that we've had enough loss. It's time to be accepting now. Um, Like Nick said, queer youth are everywhere. Queer people are everywhere. And these teenagers are the most empathetic leaders that I have ever met. And when we are accepting of the people around us and see their vibrancy and joy, then we can truly live through that multicolored lens where everyone is part of the picture and we can make it a safe environment for everyone to thrive because we all deserve it. Well, and these are just three of the 14 artists in the program. How can people and when can people look for it again to apply and participate? Yes, I'm already looking forward to next year. So applications will go live in December. So we have a little bit of time. We do it annually. And then Out Loud 2023 will begin in January. But in the meantime, you can come see their pieces until June 8th. And on March 26th, you can hear from them. Oh, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Time is not real anymore, right? Is that a conspiracy? Next Thursday. (laughs) There's a conspiracy that um, the Holy Roman Empire made up the Middle Ages to be more credible. And time, we're just in a simulation, right? I mean, I don't think any of us have been the same since March 2020, since the earthquake. (laughs) The inland hurricane and all of that, right? So May 26th, it's a QA and a with all the artists? Yes, most of them. All that want and can attend okay and where can people get more details about that as well as you know bookmark it for december when applications open head over to our website utahmoca.org u-t-a-h-m-o-c-a.org and our instagram utahmoca i love it we'll put all that in the show notes and we have just a few minutes and i really want to give you the mic time oak nicks sophie any closing thoughts you want to share or anything you want to just get off your your mind, Oak? Yeah, um, I think that every day in America, it becomes harder and harder to be an openly queer person. There's so much, even, even the people who pretend to be allies, just most of the time these politicians just have their own interests in mind. It's important to organize as a queer community to look out for ourselves and make sure no one is left behind. Everyone has somewhere to sleep. Everyone has someone to talk to. And just making sure that everyone starts on the same playing field. No inherent difference means someone is lesser. It's it's important. Well said, Oak. Sophie, grab a microphone. Yeah, so um, I think, like, right now in the country, too, like, it's getting harder for, well, I think for, for everyone, like, everyone's, like, sexuality and gender is, like, inherently a pretty secondary part of themselves but now it's kind of impossible for us to keep our queerness as a secondary part of ourselves because like even as kids like we have to kind of fight all the time to not only be seen but like for even like being called the right name or pronouns like Mm. I'm cisgender so I don't have I've never had to deal with that but like now and like the struggles that trans youth are facing are Like, I don't know if I was trans, like, how I would be alive right now. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. something that needs to be faced with a lot of sensitivity, too. But, yeah, I think that also, um, I go to school in Wasatch, so it's pretty more conservative there. But in Heber. Yeah, but even with that climate right now, I think it's just important that, you know, we're queer, we're here. 
Get used to it. And get used to it, yeah. Nix, I think you're waving me off. If you got something to add, you got 30 seconds, Nix. Um, honestly, I don't have much other than we're here. Thank you so much for being willing to step in and step up to the mic. And I can't wait to check out the exhibit at Yumoka. And just a reminder, screw Bill HB11. There you go. Uh, You guys are great. Thank you so much. Check the show notes tonight, folks, for links to Yumoka and the art exhibit. I'm Laura Jones. This is Radioactive. Democracy Now! is next. KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL would like to thank all the volunteers who came down and helped out during Spring Radiothon. Thanks to Andy and Ann and Brian and Chip and David and Joe and John. And also thanks to the Boxcar Studios and Rock Camp SLC for sending down help. We couldn't do it without you. If you missed out on Spring Radiothon, it's never too late. Donate now at krcl.org. Thanks.